Welcome to another episode of Only the Brave Have Fun. And this is your host, Jasper. Today's guest is Thomas Savitorka. Thomas is a professional life coach, speaker, award-winning entrepreneur, and the founder of OK is Not Enough. The core philosophy he uses to coach professionals and entrepreneurs to help them raise their standards of their performance and lifestyle so they can create results and life they can be really proud of. Thomas has coached hundreds of clients, including industry leaders, billionaires, entrepreneurs, CEOs, rising stars in the global corporations, and influencers at the top of the game. In this episode, we'll explore his journey as a coach, the world of coaching, and achieving more. So let's welcome Thomas. First of all, welcome and thank you for uh, you know, joining us on this episode. So for the people that don't know Thomas, how would you introduce yourself? So my name is Thomas Vitorka. I'm a life coach and a business mentor. I am based in London, been doing this for number of years it's going to getting into seventh year of coaching and um, I got into coaching after doing my degree in psychology and I got into doing my degree in psychology um, after several years of personal development and totally falling in love with that and improving my life on, on all aspects of my life and realizing that I really enjoyed when people because the progress that I've made people are curious and um so I was sharing with people what I know about you know, personal development and goal setting and all these things. And I wanted to realize, wow, I would love to do this professionally. And so psychology was the next logical step for me. That's what I thought as, as the kind of closest thing to it. But uh, realizing that I didn't want to be a psychologist or psychotherapist. And uh, then, yeah, then I got into coaching six plus years ago. And what I do now, I run my um, coaching practice here in London. I've worked with around 300 incredible clients, some of them ridiculously successful people, some of them just at the beginning of their personal development journey. And um, you know, either it's fine, I don't really care about where people are. Uh, it's, I care about uh, the, the, the passion they have for you know, making changes in their life, the commitment they have to make change in their life. And um, you know, as you know, uh, my philosophy and kind of like a brand of my business is okay, it's not enough. And what that means is that I help people become the best version of themselves and create more exciting and more fulfilling life. Awesome. We'll get more into that. That's very interesting. Uh, okay, is not enough. I want to really go deep down into that. But before I do that, I normally, when I invite guests, I talk about where they began their journey. It's really important to know who's the person behind the company and what they do and really where they came from or their journey as well as they're currently doing and how they help people and then the world. You really started from being a, if I may say, trolley boy, a trolley boy in, in a bank, starting yeah. from there to all the way where you are right now, you know, having a six figure plus business. Take us back. How did that start? So that was one of, uh, strangely, I would say one of the most important um, points in my life, being a, a trolley boy in a bank, which means, mind you, this was uh, 14 years ago. And I was, was working for a catering company inside of a, you know, one of the biggest banks here in London. And um, the job, I think the second job in, in that catering, the second role that I got was being the trolley boy, which means in the morning, I had this big trolley and loaded up with uh, drinks and sandwiches and snacks and things like that. And I pushed it through the 
floors. It was a massive building with like 10 floors. And, and that's what I was doing. And it was kind of a little bit like having your own business because I didn't have anyone breathing on my neck. I, I had my little till and I had to report at the end of the day kind of um, you know, how, much, how much money I made and what I sold and all these things. And but what was important is that I was on uh, like terribly low salary and working in a bank where you have all these traders and, and analysts and, and you know, bankers and they're making, you know, in London, massive amounts of money. And I remember we had, there was this um, cash machine inside of the building. And sometimes people went there just to print out how much, I guess, they have left on their account. And sometimes they left these printouts there. And every now and then, I just, when I went to withdraw my 20 pounds or something, I saw some of these printouts and they had like six, seven figures. And I'm thinking, how is this even possible that people make that amount of money? Because I was really going from salary to salary. And a few things happened at the time. I always say, you know, life, life slapped me as it can do. Um, and I realized that, well, hold on. If, if I, I knew I had so much more potential. I was settling for being okay. And I would more than anything say it was like a tolerable discomfort. And, and I thought I projected 10 years forward to be, being 23 or so, so 33, 35. And I thought, wow, if I don't change anything, I'm going to live the world I live now. If I apply myself as little as I as I'm now, what is my life going to look like then? And the idea just terrified, not the, the image, the vision just terrified me. And I thought, I really panicked. And I thought, I need to do something. And I remember I went home and I started searching on the internet, you know, how to improve yourself. Like the things, the first thing that come to mind. And and one of the first uh, books that I got, um, by the way, that's where I kind of started digging into personal development and just realizing that there is such thing as personal development. And, and one of the first books that I got was um, Dale, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. And I was reading it. And I remember I was, I was on a bus, always reading it. And, and it blew my mind, just the fact that, hold on, I can, there are all these skills that I can learn that will make me better a better communicator will make me more organized, more disciplined. And I just became obsessed with that. And, you know, one thing led to another and I was buying books and watching things on YouTube and trying, you know, I was going to meetups. I just became a sponge. I wanted to learn as much as possible. But what's important that that's, I guess, one of my qualities that I love to, I'm a practitioner. I like to test things and see how that works. And, and it really, within like three years, I progressed really fast in my, in my career, became a you know, team leader, supervisor, manager of the place. And, and then, as I said, people around me saw it and they became curious. My you know, flatmate or housemates at the time, they said, hey, you know, what is it that you do? Scribbling some goals down and you have these things on your wall. You know what I did? I actually, I don't think I ever mentioned that on any podcast, on interview. I was living in a shared house and I had this massive wall. And what I did, I painted the whole wall with um, blackboard paint. And I was using the whole wall as a blackboard. And I had chalks and I was writing all my thoughts and, and affirmations and, and mind maps you know, on that wall. It was a terrible idea because the chalk kind of uh, you know, you know, falls off the wall and it was making the carpet colorful and all these things. But this, that's just a sort of example of the, the extents that I'm willing to go, <laughs> go into sometimes. And then 
yeah, I, I started sharing these, these kind of ideas and practices and, and things from personal development with people around me and realized I really enjoyed it. I just enjoyed when people were growing results and I could be somewhat catalyst for that. And so I, I realized that I will need some further education. And I thought, what could I do that I would really enjoy? And it was just instant kind of realization that, wow, I should become a psychologist. Because I thought, this is what psychologist does. So I signed up for university when I was 25 and went through uh, the course, did my degree, I did really well. And um, because anything I do, I, I just throw myself into it fully. I just always commit. So, so at this point, you are doing your degree and you're into personal development at the same time. You're doing all three things. Oh, absolutely. Oh, there were lots of other things that I was doing. I was That's hardcore. <laughs> learning speed reading. I was, I was learning, I was going through these extensive courses on you know, how to memorize things like memory techniques. So yeah, hey, I was doing full-time job, part-time university, all this stuff in personal development. I was just relentless. And I was getting, I wanted to get really in shape. And I had this flatmate uh, or housemate. He was, he was really lazy for lack of a better word. And I bought a rowing machine from Argos at the time. And I was getting up at five o'clock in the morning and I was rowing for 40 minutes every single day. And this guy, he was going to work, getting up at six or before six, because he always saw me rowing. And he was always saying, man, you, you're crazy. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And it just, you know, I always say that uh, we all have an obsessive personality to a degree, but many people obsess about the wrong things. Uh, luckily, I feel that I've always channeled my obsession to things that were uh, good for me, at least from my 20s onwards. And, and yeah, so then I finished my degree and, and um, and I thought, okay, what, what now? I, I realized I didn't want to become a psychotherapist. Uh, it's, it can be amazing, but it can be quite dark and heavy, I think. I didn't want to become a clinical psychologist or like a researcher. That It's, it's just not um, close enough to working with people, helping people. And I didn't want to have a boss. I work for NHS or something. So I, again, I did the kind of stock take on the things that I, I, I want to do, I love to do, which was working with people, helping people, loving personal development, psychology, mindset, hating the idea of having a boss. And somehow coaching emerged. There wasn't a light bulb moment. There was just some kind of realization. I saw it as, as a thing that would tick all these boxes, probably as far as I could understand it. And, um, and I had this very naive idea of, um, you know what, let me, let me just start with this. And if in a year I make enough money to quit my day job, that's what I'm going to do. And as I'm saying, it was very romantic because um, I was starting from scratch and learning everything. And in a year, I was nowhere near making enough money through coaching uh, to um, quit my day job simply because I just didn't have, I had limited amount of time I could put into it and coach clients. But I fell in love with coaching. And after that year, I thought, you know what? I don't care. I'll figure out a way how to, how to make this work. And yeah, hey, six years later, here I am. I guess I figured it out somehow. <laughs> Hard work pays off. That's something I want to get into. When I was growing up in my teens, early teens, everybody was a DJ. Everybody wanted to become a DJ. And, you know, over time, see only the people that, the good ones stayed over a period of time and the rest disappeared. You know, that was just short term and then they were gone. And in the recent five, 10 years, more so has been about life coaches. Everybody's a life coach. Everybody is some sort of a coach. So the bar is very low and there's only a few and far in between that are very good and, you know, really put the time and effort in and really apply things that they learn. 
how do you keep going and go, you know what, it's been one year, it's been six months. When do you know when to stop? There's a difference between passion and knowing some and, and reality check. For you, mm. what was it? How did you know? Because I, I do come across a lot of coaches at one point in my life as well, earlier on when I started coaching, I felt the same way as well. Maybe it's not working. Maybe I don't understand, but I identified it's the business that I didn't understand that I need to learn, I need to implement. What is it for you? So I would say there are two, two elements to that. One of them is patience. The first thing is patience because we live in a world where everything is instant. It's crazy. In London, I can go online, go on Amazon, I order something, and in two hours, someone brings it to my door. That's insane, right? Information, boom, you just go on internet and it happens. Um, you know, reaching out to someone, you have choices whether you call them, you text them, WhatsApp, you name it, right? Everything is, is so convenient and it's so quick that I think it really skewed our expectation to the point where it's, you know, we, we generalize. We think, oh, this is how things work. You know, things happen quickly. Plus, it doesn't help that through social media, you hear all these overnight stories and everyone seems like they just made it and it took no effort. Hey, like bullshit, big time. Anyone, I was actually sending yesterday um, an email to one of my clients with um, searching on YouTube, all those inspirational stories, like success stories by the famous people, whether it's, you know, The Rock, whether it's Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, whether it's um, Jeff Bezos, like you name it. It took them so long, and these people ate dog food for, for a long time before they, before they made it. And I think that um, I can see it. I work with a few coaches, and I work with a lot of entrepreneurs. And it's interesting to see that the, the people, the entrepreneurs who are in business, and the business has been running for, let's say, five plus years, 10 plus years, they are very realistic about how long things take, right? The patience is there. But people are new to business. Obviously, people just work with what they hear, what they know, and people tell them things just to sell their programs and make it look good. And so, um, yeah, people are super impatient, super impatient. So with coaches, for example, because, uh, you know, these are the people that you know and that you work with, there is this, you know, six-figure thing, building a six-figure coaching business. And um, I, I work with one of my clients and she, when we started working together, she really had the idea of that she would become a six-figure coach in like a few months' time. And it doesn't help that she's coming from the background of, of banking and her husband as well, and, and the whole neighborhood is probably wealthy. And, and so, again, it's a little bit detached from, from reality. But this is what I always tell people. Show me any other industry or profession where you join as a rookie, and within a year or two, you, you are bumped up to or promoted to six-figure salary. It doesn't, doesn't happen, right? You start as a rookie somewhere, on 20,000, 25,000, and then little by little, every year you're getting you know, a couple thousand uh, pay rise and maybe it goes a little faster as, as you're on higher salary. But you know, impatience is, is one thing that kills any success potential and I can see so missing in, in um, people. The other thing is, uh, I guess it goes in combination with impatience. Uh, like patience is important, but the second thing is just hard work and consistency is that it, I'll be talking about coaching as, as a profession, right? To become successful, you also, you have to be a great coach, that's without a doubt, but you also have to build your profile. You have to really fine tune your marketing. You have to 
you know, polish your offers and, and all these things. And building a profile, it takes time because the credibility, you can, you know, share an amazing post and it's like, okay, great. And so what, you know, who cares? But when you're consistent with putting a great content out there, for example, and being featured consistently on whether it's magazines or whether it's websites or being interviewed and things like that, it's the, you know, knowing, liking and trusting that you need to build in people. Again, it takes time, but it also takes hard work and persistence. Awesome. How did this, um, you know, your, your, may I say it's your program, okay, is not enough? Mm-hmm. How, how did that come about? Um, it's a very simple but very powerful message saying, you know, you can have an okay life if that's what you want, or, you know, mm. you can push and really push for your goals. That's what makes life interesting. So how did that really come about? So, um, you know, for the first couple of years, I was... I you know, had a website and I put myself out there as a, as a life coach and there was no, no particular essence to it. And going through the um, uh, business training as, as, as you have as well, you know, I, I realized that, okay, I have, to, I have to differentiate myself somehow because there wasn't anything that would make me different. Anything that, you know, when you say, oh, Thomas, nothing came to mind. Oh, he's a life coach. Well, and so what? You know, I'm just like, well, what does it mean? What does it do? And so I really was, man, so searching big time, like the number of pages I was writing and asking myself, hey, what, what is it really that I believe in that, you know, also as a niche, who do I want to work with and, and what's the angle that, you know, to my coaching, what is it that I really believe in? And I realized that one of my biggest fears is to be average, just live a mediocre life of one day reaching age of, I don't know, you know, being old and all the sort of deathbed situation and looking back and thinking, oh shit, I played it so safe. Or I was so inauthentic or just knowing that I could have done so much better, but I just didn't apply myself. I settled for what was comfortable. And that's what I did for the first 21 years of my life, right? Because, you know, through Seeking comfort, uh, wanting, to, wanting to feel comfortable, it's, it's um, an instinct that we have that's been you know, evolving over millions of years because comfort means safety Com- and safety means survival. And survival is like the, the strongest instinct that we have. And this is why our, our mind will always try to pull us towards the comfort. And comfort is okay, right? When you're okay, you're comfortable. The problem with okay is that while it may be comfortable, okay, it's rarely happy or fulfilling. And I give these examples. Let's say you, you go on holidays somewhere and the resort is, is okay. Would you go there again? Definitely not. You wouldn't, right? If you read a book or go and watch a movie and it's, it's okay, would you watch it again? Would you read it again? No. no. Yet people experience okay days, okay months and okay years, and they're so okay with living it again, Right. In reality, they are not. And this is what, something that I mentioned at the beginning. So many people live in this zone of tolerable discomfort where life sucks, kind of, meaning that you know, I'm, I'm not really happy, uh, I'm not fulfilled, but it doesn't suck enough to do something about it. And sometimes people need to, like, really like I did, like, kind of be slapped by life when they come to this realization, like, oh my God, like, I need to, I need to do something or they need to be honest with themselves and, and maybe project in the future. Okay. If I don't change anything, if I'm, 
if I keep playing it the way I have been for the last number of years, what is my life going to look like? And if the vision terrifies you, if it makes you super unhappy, then something needs to change. And, you know, inherent part of change is it's uncomfortable because you're leaving the comfort zone. You're leaving what you know. You're changing for something different. And, but simply because okay is, is just okay, there's nothing wrong with that. If someone is happy with that and going through life, living a mediocre life, knowing that they could be so much more, but they just choose not to, I'm not judging it. You know, good on them. But if people, and this is what many people come to me with, is this unshakable feeling that, damn it, I've got so much more in me. And, and that's when they're being okay and when they know that okay is not enough for them. This is in a nutshell why okay is not enough. I know you're a huge fan of uh, Elon Musk. Um, mm. Who would be, Elon Musk is not in the question here. Who would, who would be a you know, person that super inspires you other than Elon Musk? Oh, there are many. Uh, um, who let's, let's, else? Let's, do, let's, do, let's do three other than, other than Elon Musk. Okay, who inspires me? So, um, you know, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk inspires me because he's just so practical and so relentless. Um, some people may question whether it's healthy for him. Hey, the bottom line is he is happy, right? And if what he does, if he runs himself to the ground and he's going to be happy, like, you know, that's his choice, right? But um, I love that he's super practical, super driven, super honest with people. And that's the way I think. So uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's one. Uh, um, there are so many people. It's funny that when, when you need to think of one. Um, uh, for example, hey, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Is this, I don't know if you read his book about, you know, like this guy, some people don't like him. That's totally fine. You may not agree with everything he says, but he made it to the top or almost to the top in several big industries, you know, fitness, um, Hollywood. He got into politics as far as he could. That's incredible. And like that, when you read this book or listen to interviews with him, like this guy again, he, he was just, when he was working out, he was breaking into the gym sometimes when he uh, didn't make it in the opening hours. At night, he broke into the gym to work out. That's ridiculous, wow. right? And yeah, so he would be probably the, is it the second or third one? Second one. So Second one. So why, did you why did you take Elon Musk away from me? <laughs> um, is, so, and the third one, I'm thinking someone maybe more from um, okay, everyday life uh, that, that you could know. Hey, for example, uh, The Rock as well, right? This guy has also incredible story, like what he's, what he's been through. Like he had a great role model as his dad and I think his granddad as well. But, uh, you know, he was in the um, uh, wrestling um, arena and, you know, there were some I watched an interview with him recently and he was talking about uh, there was, he, he was in this biggest match of the WWE. What is it? Is it WWE? Yeah. And it was scheduled for 45 minutes. And, you know, it's exhausting. They're throwing themselves around and it's half fake, but, you know, half is real. When, you, when someone slams you on the ground, you can fake it as much as you want. It still hurts, right? And 15 minutes in, something popped in his leg. And he thought, shit, like this doesn't, it doesn't feel right, like a big time. 
and he was on the verge of of just like kind of tapping out, right? Just saying, no, no, no I'm, I'm done, I'm done. But he said, no, I can't do it. Like it was one of the most important at the time matches of his life. And, and he powered through it for another 30 minutes. And after that, he was flown to a hospital and um, uh, he found out he'd torn off two of his leg muscles, right? And so just a little quick example of you know, the extent of what some people are willing to go through. Is it, is it healthy or not? You know, that's obviously questionable. But I, you know, I admire anyone with with incredible willpower. When people that that's what inspires me. When people go through, when they're crawling through the things that other or persevere through the things that other people would. Look, ninety nine percent of people would quit. I know you put your uh, your goals, you know, online and you shout them out. You know, yes, that's very brave, very very brave, and it's very interesting that you're so. And you achieve them as well, which is very interesting. I mean, majority of them, which is very interesting. So is there a book that you're reading right now? That, what, what, what are you currently reading? Yeah, well, I'm always reading several books. I can't, I'm, my, my taste varies from day to day. And sometimes I feel like reading this, sometimes I feel like reading that. I usually have like three, four books on the go. But I just started reading Principles. Right. I'm reading a couple of books about coaching, of course. I'm, I'm always um, uh, learning and educating myself. But one thing I'm slowly going through is the um, uh, Tribe of Mentors right? by um, Tim Ferriss. It's very interesting. You know, he interviews around, I think, might be nearly 100 people, and he asks them the same questions. There's 10 questions that he asks them. And very, like, you know, what's your favorite book and why? Or if you had a billboard, what would that be? Or what was the, the most valuable mistake that you've made in your life? So I like it. It's, it's fairly short chapters, and you get so many different points of view from you know, nearly oh, around 100 of successful people. So I love that book. There's another one which is called, um, is it Tribe of Leaders? Something like that, that I will read after that. Awesome. So here's a question for you. You're stuck in a desert island, tough mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. You have to pick one person. You can have Elon Musk if you want. <laughs> oh, he would engineer some shit to get us out of there. <laughs> so the, the four people you mentioned, including Elon Musk, you can have one of them, one book and one thing. So what would you take? Okay. So, so it's uh, one person, one book and one thing. One Anything thing. you like. All right. The book would be survival guide to how, how to survive on the desert island. A person, hey, it'd probably be Elon Musk simply because he would, as I said, he would just engineer something to get us out of there. Plus people would be much more likely to look for him than for me. So I can imagine that would, you know, that would trigger some, some big search campaign to, to find him. And the toolbar, like a tool that I would, a thing I would take with me, oh, what would it be? It would be, oh man, think quickly. Probably like, um, I guess like a toolbox or like one of those uh, rumble knives. Like a Swiss knife. Yeah, you know, that, that you That's open nice up and there's like a string and, and compass and all these things. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, well chosen. So what, what's been your biggest insight lesson, you know, in your journey so far that you think, you know what, these few things really stood out. And, you know, I would, if I was to give that to someone, I'd be telling them this. Mm. I know you covered a few earlier on about being patient, being consistent. Right. So one thing, and it's going to be so simple that <laughs> you'll be surprised but the longer i coach 
the more people I have conversa- coaching conversations with and the more, uh, uh, more people I get to know through you know, my networking, coaching, speaking events and so on, and seeing the difference between successful and unsuccessful people is that the number one thing that separates these two groups is laziness. Honestly, like, again, we live in the age where all the information that you need is out there. Like whatever you need, like someone's giving it away for free, go on YouTube and you can find anything, right? How to do in terms of business. And I rarely, I rarely find someone who is super driven, super willing to work hard and would be in a, in a really bit bad place in, in life. Now, I guess that takes me to the second thing. Did you ask for just one or more? Yeah, but you have more. That, that's fine. Yeah. I think this, it... Uh, uh, Willingness to hard work, which I would say opposite to laziness, needs to be combined with resourcefulness, right? Um, which means just being able to actually sit down and think, okay, cool, I'm, I'm willing to put in the hour, I'm willing to put in the sweat. What would be the next thing? Just thinking for, for yourself, right? And proactively looking for solutions because, you know, you know, just hard work in its own is absolutely essential. But there are a lot of people who have extremely hard jobs you know they work crazy hours and the job is super demanding and so but i think um resourcefulness um needs to be part of it and the third thing that is also extremely important is learning how to manage your thoughts so learning how to manage your mindset because your mind or our mind will always want us to be comfortable and it will, again, the number one job your brain has to do is to keep you alive. And to keep you alive, it will try to pull you away from any risk, from any danger, anything that is threatening in any kind of way, anything that is exhausting and in any kind of way, right? And so, you know, when you think about, uh, I always encourage people to learn about, you know, evolution and the uh, survival instincts and things like that. So for example, just the survival instinct, the fear of rejection. Is just so strong in us, whether it's when you're approaching someone you like or whether it's in you know, public speaking or whether it's just you putting yourself out there. That's one of, the, one of the big reasons why people don't have what they want in life because they're so afraid to go and try or ask for that and just put themselves out there. And when you think, but why, you know, why are we so scared? It's because throughout evolution, you know, millions of years ago, if you were rejected, meaning that your social status or social standing would, would drop down significantly. If you were rejected, you would probably be pushed out of your little tribe or pack or something, and you would die out of starvation or something would kill you or eat you. And uh, you know, being part of the pack is, it just increases survival odds massively. Right? The problem is that these instincts have evolved you know, hundreds of thousands of years or millions of years ago, and they're not so applicable anymore. Right? Like being, being rejected these days, it's, you're not going to die, but the instinct is so strongly um, embedded in us that it just triggers the emotion. So going back to the point of um, what's important is just being able to manage your thoughts and your emotions is um, to be aware of what's going on in your head and realizing the fact that you have a choice of what you focus on. Will you, public speaking, for example, will you focus on oh my God, people don't like me, that person is falling asleep or they think I'm an idiot, they think I'm no good and get all worked up and, and scared and, and actually not being able to perform? Or will you focus on, wow, I have something valuable 
that I can share with these people. And I don't care really if, if it makes me look good or not. If one person walks away with a new insight, with something useful that they can apply, it can change their life, then I've succeeded. You have total control over whether you focus on A or B. Yet people don't realize that you know, they, they, let our, they let their mind and these fears and this instinct to kind of direct their attention, um, shape their beliefs, um, shape the, their values. And they simply become a kind of a victim, a hostage to, to those instincts. And, and it will always bring them back to the okay or to the tolerable discomfort. Interesting take. Now we're coming towards the end of the episode. And, sure. um, how do you measure success for you? For me, right. So I would, a few, few, I guess, values that are important to me. First one is integrity. For me, it, that's, if, if I'm in integrity, meaning that I'm, I live in alignment with my values, to me, that's a success. Second thing is, you know, how, how happy or fulfilled, maybe I can package both of these with how content I am. That's super important for me, just be feeling content, feeling like, you know, I'm, I'm doing the right thing and I'm happy with, with the way my life is. Um, and for me, what's also important is kind of what, what, what role I play in the world or in the society. You know, am I a valuable part of it? Am I a valuable element? Or am I just leeching on the resources? Am I leeching on, on what, you know, hard work of other people? And that's probably why I'm in coaching, right? Because it really, it makes me feel good about myself as well. You know, when I see people making their life better and, and, um, so I would say these uh, things are important to me. And of course, hey, look, um, I would say financial success is, you know, I'm not money-driven. That's an interesting thing. I'm not money-driven. I just, I, I just don't want to worry about money, right? And I don't have to be a zillionaire. I just want to be able to provide for myself or the people most important to me. Like now I'm in a position where I can, you know, support my, support my mom. And um, that's really important for me. That's to a degree, that, that's a success for me. Awesome. Any, any last uh, message for the audience? Yes. I would say, I would encourage everyone to regularly sit down with themselves, find 15 minutes once a week and take a stock take on your life and ask yourself, how happy am I? How fulfilled am I with my life? And look at the area, be honest with yourself. And if, if you are unhappy about something, ask yourself why? Right? And do this weekly, yeah, like weekly course correction and brainstorming and planning to make this one degree adjustment in the coming week. Because over time, it will add up and you will be amazed in a year or in a few years' time, like how much your life can transform. And it's, it's a little price to pay of you know, 15 minutes a week. Otherwise, people just f- can fly through life or float through life like a leaf on, on the river uh, without uh, being intentional about the ways they spend their time and, and about the way they progress. Awesome. And, and Thomas, what's the best way to connect with you, ask you questions? Uh, sure. So the best way is probably through my website, um, which is um, either okaysnotenough.com or thomasvitorka.com as well. They both go to the same place. People can contact me there. People can see my resources. People can take my lifestyle scorecard and download my free stuff. And of course, they can contact me as well. And from there, you can find all the links to my social media, to my Instagram and and so on. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of Only the Brave Have Fun with your host, Jazzbear. If you love this episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Also, make sure you to visit www.jazzbearaurora.com to access the show notes. And if you are thinking about uh, starting your business, then take our Escape the 95 survey to see if you're ready. And don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Thank you for listening.